0: Hey guys, welcome to the Matt and Des experience. I'm your co-host, Matt Gonzalez. And
1: I'm your other co-host, Desiree Gonzalez. Hey guys, on today's episode, Matt had the honor and privilege to interview one of his great friends, Drew Neal. Drew is amazing. Just getting to know him a little bit over the last, maybe, I don't know, year. It's yeah. just been so awesome to get to know him. He and refreshing. Is, yeah, he's he's brilliant, guys. You're going to love it. Um, Drew, alongside his wife, Melissa, they're, they're senior leaders of a church in Troy, Michigan called Generation One Church. You know, one thing that he's communicated he's so passionate about bringing revival and reformation and restoration to the city of Detroit. Yes. And I just love his heart for his city and the things that they're seeing in the city of Detroit are just mind-blowing and I'm excited for you guys to hear some of the, some of those things on this episode and he has coined the term to be a solutionary. Maybe yeah. Matt can talk a little bit more <laughs> about so that. Good.
0: You know, part of it is what Drew's doing, you know, they he's going after city Reformation and transformation. On this episode, he begins to unlock some keys of how they've taken personal responsibility of seeing transformation at a city level. And so, guys, you guys are in for a treat today. I can't wait for this episode. So, let's go ahead and get into it.
1: Welcome to the Matt and Dez Experience. Matt and Dez Gonzalez are the founders of Kingdom Culture Ministries, a nonprofit organization that specializes in training, consulting, and resourcing leaders. Join them as they talk about life, family, faith, and all things prophetic. Now, let's get to today's episode of the Matt and Dez Experience. Hey
0: guys, welcome to the Matt and Dez experience. On today's show, I have one of my great friends, Drew Neal in the house. So Drew, what is up, buddy? Hey, how are you, bro? (laughs) Doing good. Hey, Drew, for the listener who may be you know, listening to this podcast, it's the first time they've heard about Drew Neal. So Mm -hmm. tell a little bit
1: about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? What are you passionate about? Oh man, well, Matt, bro, this is so great to do this and uh, (laughs) I just so appreciate you and Dez and and, uh, it's exciting to see what the Lord's going to do through all these momentum-filled connections. But man, I just, you know... Very simply put, man, I'm just very motivated to want to demonstrate Jesus in the earth. And, you know, uh, and these are, you know, uh, this, is a, this is a central motivation is that the world will begin to look like Jesus. Come on, bro. There's no frills. There's no whatever. When it, when it really boils it down, it's did I accept responsibility to, to demonstrate Jesus and bring other people into the invitation to also become like Jesus? So good. And really, I'm on a journey of of exploring what it really looks like to bring people into these Jesus-looking moments in multiple spheres of society and really innovating beyond uh, the access points of the church service or the typical exchanges we have um, that we deem as spiritual um, and mechanisms we use to say, hey, this is the way that you have to experience God. (laughs) So I'm really passionate about business, government, and the local church. I love all three of those areas and I really feel called to broker kingdom outcomes between the access of government, the resources of business, and the passion of the local church. That we would um, create discipling mechanisms, um, and and we're just we're seeing amazing things for cities and nations and churches, and uh, so I'm a builder and I'm a pioneer, and um, and so just excited to see heaven on earth uh, in a sustainable way. Come on, you know one of the things I love about you, Drew, is uh,
0: you know I know you've recently coined the term, which I really really love, is uh, you you tell people we're not a problem but you are a solution. Yeah. And you talk about being a solutionary. You know, it's one thing to come up with, you know, good language. It's another thing when the language has substance behind it. Mm-hmm. And with you seeing what you're doing in Detroit also, so you are a pastor in uh, the Detroit metro area,
1: correct? Yeah. At Gen 1. And uh, how long, when did you guys start that? And Yeah, we planted the church seven years ago. And uh, I'm second generation church planner. been in the church all my life. Um, I've really just been... Uh, my whole life was just found out encounters that I had as a kid, actually. When I was eight years old, I, I had three significant encounters. Uh, at first, at the age of eight, I was healed of lymphoma. Um, I had a tumor on the side of my <laughs> neck that got dissolved. And uh, I was very serious. You know, we're about to go through all the, the regimens of, you know, dealing with cancer. And, wow. Um, and God heals me miraculously. Um, I'll never forget. We had an evangelist come in and uh, on a Sunday night and did an extra service. And and I was so touched by the power of God that I couldn't stand for about 45 minutes. Wow. And which that was a sign of a wonder <laughs> all of itself. Because anybody who is a, a father and a mother of an eight-year-old boy, you know that they got a lot of energy, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's, I was healed. Next morning, tumor's gone. Uh, Remarkable. About six months later, on my ninth birthday, uh, I was visited in the night by the Lord. At 2 a.m., I woke up out of a dream speaking in tongues and uh, just a thick presence um, in my room. Wow. And followed by that, we ended up having some missionaries about a year later, uh, American missionaries that had been working in Guatemala. And they showed up randomly to our church one Sunday morning, just needing to be refreshed and needing, you know, a sabbatical place, if you will, and, and really didn't have much. And my parents offered for them to move in with us. And so they lived with us for three months, wow. a husband and a wife and their kids. Uh, and the wife was, was a prophet. And, you know, this is in 1989, you know, there weren't a lot of prophets running around, (laughs) Yes. you know, in 89, and she had a revelation that everyone could hear God's voice, Mm. uh, which was even all the more forerunning, right? And so we were doing homeschooling at the time, and uh, shout out to all my homeschool homies out there. (laughs) We made it! We're still alive! (laughs) Um, But but she just, you know, every morning we would get up and do devotionals as part of our homeschooling curriculum, and together, and... Um, and I began to hear God's voice at the age of 10 and know that it was possible for me. And so those three revelations, God is my provider, God is close, and God is speaking, wow. have been three core revelations I built my ministry off of. So um, so I've been running hard after the Lord all my life, done mega church, done a lot of things uh, in the ministry world um, that led up to starting a church seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've just been running hard, really being that that hub church, Come you know, in, in Metro Detroit that's bringing in, pipelining, um, you know, fathers and mothers into the region, hosting the presence of God. Uh, we have a, a fantastic school of ministry. We've trained up about thirteen hundred leaders in other churches in Metro Detroit in seven years. Wow! Um, and so we really feel that we're a, we're a church for you know for other leaders uh, honestly is a highlight for us and getting people you know leaders ready come on and, bro I mean Matt you gotta remember that maybe that moment I don't know if you had it or you were articulate like this for yourself but I know for myself I had a uh, I got born again again <laughs> moment with the Lord <laughs> yes I had that moment <laughs> you know where I, I encountered the gospel of salvation and then I, then I encountered the gospel of the kingdom yep and um, and so uh, just we really bring a lot of people into that experience and we're not really an infantry church we're a special forces church love and, that and um, you know, and, and so we we really want to get people ready to demonstrate the love. The power and the sound mind of the kingdom, and we we really believe that there should be fruit in all three of those areas uh, to create measurables that people are growing in the capacity of the kingdom. Wow. Um, Oftentimes we pick one of those, you know, it's like, oh, we want to be the love church, or we want to be the power church, or we want to be the (laughs) really wise, all knowing church. You know, (laughs) the flag church. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I want I want to be all three, and so come on, bro. So yeah, we've been pioneering that. We have a tremendous transformation center. Um, uh, Carrie Pardons, our director, and she's just remarkable. So uh, we do healing rooms and, yeah. and sozo, of course. But um, Carrie also went out and got her master's degree in counseling. And so now we're offering offering licensed counseling. Wow. Uh, we have other people that are going through the same program right now. So we kinda have a, a kind of have a whole troop of counselors rising up. Um, Carrie initiated a tremendous ministry called Happy Shack, uh, which is our ministry out to um, just bring encouragement to um, the LGBTQ community. Wow. So we just did uh, the the Gay Pride event in Detroit. And, uh, and so, you know, it's tens and tens of thousands of people. Um, we are the busiest tent in the whole event and the event director came up and told us, um, that, uh, that everyone's, you know, raving about our tent and, and comes up with the numbers. She's like, there's no volume in, in any tent like your tent. And so we actually had wow. a thousand people come and sit down in a chair and receive ministry from us Come on, inside bro. of our tent who receiving the love of God there, you know, we're seeing people get saved but most of it's dream interpretation physical healing finding out that god is good um just radical moments and so our teams are phenomenal and they have such a grace to bring people into the love of god and uh so these are seeds we're planting seeds we're planting seeds others will water these seeds Uh, we're planting them and it's just really really exciting so so question for you why detroit 'Cause I, I, I hear you talk about Detroit and there's a
0: passion and there's a substance and uh you know, it's interesting because when I hear you tell talk about Detroit, it's like, Oh man, yes, I wanna go to Detroit. There's so much life on uh, the ownership that you have taken for that city,
1: but uh, why Detroit? Yeah, so Detroit is the land of opportunity right now. Come on, bro. Bro, I, I, I love this city and uh, it, it's really, it's it's gone through so much. You know, a lot of people think that Detroit got hit by the economic downturn and the economic downturn was the, the straw on the camel's back for us. <laughs> 2008 was, was the moment where we actually had to start dealing with our stuff. Wow. Um, but we had 50 years of brokenness. And uh, it's interesting, in the 1950s, Detroit was the fastest growing economy uh, in America. We were the boomtown of America at the time. Shh. Um, just radical stuff happening, and um, but we ended up having you know race riots three different times between you know the forties and the sixties, and the riots in nineteen sixty seven just tore finally tore Detroit fully apart. And so, um, and so really, since the since the late nineteen sixties, Detroit's been on a decline. You know, we had a population I think of like one point six million people. You know, in nineteen sixty seven, and now there's six hundred thousand people in Detroit, and the proper limits. You know, Detroit, Metro Detroit has 5.2 million million people, but only 600,000 and some change actually live in the city limits of Detroit. Wow. Um, But what's also strange or kind of polarizing in this is that Detroit has a massive footprint of a city. It's 108 boroughs and you could fit Boston and New York inside of Detroit. It's (laughs) a massive city. And so the blight has been a major issue, just, you know, abandoned homes and because everyone left. And the, kind of the idea was the last person there turned the lights out. And so there's just been a lot of brokenness and pain, you know, over racial division. And, and, uh, and so... Um so it's just really really exciting because we are seeing really really tangible powerful restoration in our city. Um the last, you know, really the last 10 years have been unprecedented what's happening. It was really interesting because in 2006 the Super Bowl came to Detroit. The yep. Ford family, you know, they they're there. They own the Detroit Lions and they built the Lions a new stadium and part of the new stadium contract was NFL you have to give us a Super Bowl. Yeah. And so NFL comes and uh, brings the Super Bowl there, and uh, the NFL was so embarrassed by downtown Detroit and the condition of our buildings. Um, we're a large city now. I mean, we're a large downtown city. Like, wow. We have huge downtown. Like, this is not. You know, some small little place like it's a this was a thriving metropolis at one point, you know, beautiful buildings, gorgeous architecture. They were so embarrassed by the condition of the buildings that the the NFL spent three million dollars on vinyl covers. They were essentially building banners to cover the whole facade of buildings. That's crazy, bro. And on the banners was architectural drawings of buildings that were life size. Wow. And so it was almost like they they felt the need to redecorate Detroit cuz it was in such bad condition. Wow. And so there were no bars, there were no hotels, there were no restaurants. There was there was not enough infrastructure to host the Super Bowl. And so all the infrastructure to host the experiences outside of like hotels was in white tents. And so they shut the city down. All of these white tents began to come and people began to gather in white tents in our city if, if you're not following what's going on here yeah, uh-huh.
0: yeah. <laughs> i'm getting a visual picture and i'm like
1: wow this would look really strange and so it, it would also look very uh historical A gathering of people coming to a city and gathering in white tents. So anyways, uh, so for the first time in a generation, Detroit saw, my generation saw what half a million people Mm. inside of a city on the streets of a city would look like. Like I had never seen that before. I was always told, don't go to the city. It's dangerous, you know, like no one goes to the city. There's there's, there's actually still a whole generation of people who think that if you go down to Detroit, you're going to lose your life. And they think that I'm crazy for taking my wife for date night down to Detroit. Wow, <laughs> wow, you know. And so, man, it's just there's been a few pioneers. Um, there's three major families that have really pioneered the comeback, and and they're all people who have a who have a high reverence for the Lord. Um, and some of them, one of them has truly a kingdom paradigm. And uh, but they've just taken risk, like moving you know sixteen thousand of their employees into the downtown, buying the buildings, yeah. renovating the buildings, putting money into buildings, and and. Uh, uh, and, and just really creating a, a new ecosystem of success for Come entrepreneurs and, and hope. And, and I mean, I could talk all about it. I don't want to bore everybody, but it's there's truly a renaissance happening in Detroit. It is the land of opportunity right wow. now. And people are moving to Detroit in droves and Brooklyn's coming to Detroit and Atlanta's coming to Detroit and Chicago's coming to Detroit. People are shutting down their businesses and coming and and setting up shop because it truly is one of the most exciting places to be right now, Um, especially in the startup world because Detroit is a startup. Wow! Uh, And so it's just really exciting to see what's happening.
0: I love it because you know it's it's not boring because I want the listener to just kind of hear the passion because I know many times in the church one of the things that we're good at is mainly you know trying to give solutions, but. In order to get a solution that has substance, we first have to see the problem and take ownership. And I love what you have done. I mean, I think that's the substance that I so value and recognize in you. Can you talk about that? Can you talk about some of the things, like what you've seen and how you've taken personal responsibility and just even some of the stuff that you've been sharing at this conference, even, uh, you know, the people you're investing in, mm-hmm. the, the the actual type of people. I know you mm-hmm. talked about racism and stuff. So you're doing some things. Things about that, will you share about that?
1: Yeah, well, um you know, the Lord told me uh, about a year and a half ago. He just gave me this little thought, and he said, "Drew, fathers are visionaries, mothers are missionaries, and sons and daughters are solutionaries." Wow! And that when family government is expressed, that those are the roles of family government. And so we know that the government of heaven is a family government. It's a there's a father, yeah. there's a son, and there's a Holy Spirit who acts as a mother. And so the instincts. Yeah. kind of even similar father god being a visionary holy spirit being a missionary and jesus being a solutionary wow and um and so um i began to ask the lord i began to realize the gospel was designed to solve the world's greatest problems (laughs) come on bro and i was a little bored in my faith to be honest with you because i was living pretty faith less wow um meaning active faith i i hadn't lost my faith but it's uh I, i didn't need faith to believe god was in the room wow I didn't need faith to believe that God could speak. I didn't need faith anymore because you don't need faith for what you know. You need faith for what you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, bro, that's fire, bro. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Yep. And and faith comes by hearing and hearing a rhema. And what I begin to realize is that I wasn't hearing God about my full capacity. Um, I was hearing God about things that I was asking Him about. You know, how, God, how do I get a word for yeah. this person? God, how do I, you know, Im- impact the, you know, the the church world, if you will? But honestly, it doesn't take any faith to go to church. Yeah, yep. like we already know what that is. Yeah, going to church is not a faith filled experience for ninety nine percent of the people who yeah. are going. And and so I begin to realize that I need to put more weight on the bar. And, uh, and so I just begin to ask the Lord. Um, what that looks like and and so he said Drew you you know the gospel is designed to solve the world's greatest problems and I was like okay Lord what I need to come on bro you know so basically if you don't if you have a hard time believing that um, then you probably have a diluted gospel wow And so one of the things we're lacking, which is something God's asking me to do in the midst of this, is to learn how to translate the gospel into effective solutions outside of the sinner's prayer and fire insurance. Come on, bro. Right. You know, that's, that's essential. And I don't really believe the world's rejecting God. I think they're rejecting the form of God we've given them. And, and so I began to ask the Lord this question about solutions. And I was like, okay, God, so what problems do you want me to solve? And he said, well, Drew, you're, you're, you're starting with the wrong question He said, the first thing you should ask is what people should you adopt? Mm. And the Lord took me to the biblical mandate of discipling nations and, you know, was sharing with me that this idea of reformation, which we're all passionate about, is really the biblical mandate of discipling nations. And, you know, people can get excited about solving problems, um, especially in a capitalistic market, because, well, you can make some money, actually, you know, you can make really, really good money, can change your life money if you solve a problem. Um, But we're not talking about consumerism here. Uh, We're actually talking about family. Like we're actually talking about dignifying people with insurmountable value. Come on, bro. And so as a solutionary, I believe there's a whole generation of of Jesus looking people who are going to become solutionaries um, in the midst of the father's vision and the Holy Spirit's mission yep. in us. And, uh, and, and we're going to solve problems, but it's going to start with the spirit of adoption. Mm-hmm. And so I believe to be a solutionary, you first have to have the spirit of adoption lead you to adopt a people group. So nations are trying. Oh, good. Um, and uh, people, you know, a, a nation can be your business. A nation can be your neighborhood. A nation can be your, f- your extended family, you know. And, um, and so then we have to dignify them with the insurmountable value that the father's already given them. We don't give them value. We affirm the value the father's already given them. Mm. And then the se- the third step we take is, is to take responsibility for God's heart towards their problems. Okay. And so, um, so we started asking this question and, and, uh, and we landed on, uh, we really felt that we were supposed to accept responsibility for Detroit. Mm. Um, you know, Detroit's a third world nation. Wow. Um, you know, it's it's uh, in America, hmm. and uh, you know, fifty percent of Detroit is functionally illiterate. Like fifty percent, like meaning that basically wow. means that they would not be able to fill out an application. That's crazy, bro. Um, and do it completely and and correctly. And so there's high levels of development needed for social and emotional learning. There's high levels of need for um, spiritual formation. There's high levels of need for uh, confronting corruption. Um, uh, there's high needs of, you know, confronting, um, you know, our justice system. Um, you know, there are traps, you know, yeah. there are cycles yep. that need to be broken and they need advocates to understand them uh, because they're not simple. They're multidimensional. They're complex. Wow. And, um, and so the Lord ended up, um, I ended up asking the Lord, you know, what the strategy should be. So I've been a student of Detroit of the history of Detroit already. And, and so I went on about a one year journey of just understanding what the needs were. Um, there's a lot of people who want to impact their city and they're waiting on a word from the Lord. <laughs> um, just say that bro. Yeah, <laughs> um, just go get a meeting with a city council member and ask them what the problems are. Yeah. Like if you want to, if you want to gain influence with the city, it's like, actually go serve the city according to the needs that they already have. So good. You know, it's, it's so funny. The agenda that the church has is, is that we want to go serve the city, but we're all going to wear our bright orange t-shirt that says our name on it to make sure we get credit for the thing that we did, <laughs> you know? Right. Oh, bro. Oh man. And it's like, it's, it's so selfish. Yeah. It's so yes, inward it focus. It's so let me build my thing. Yeah. And um, and so it's it's not always the the overt motivation. That's and good. I don't want to sound judgmental there. Yeah. Um, but it is it is the assumption from a distance mm. from people who don't know the church is that there's a, there's a condition that they really want to get credit for the things that they do. Yep. And you know Jesus did some pretty beautiful things, and then he said, "Go tell no one." <laughs> so good, bro. And uh, and so. And so, uh, I just started doing research on, on the city of Detroit, what the greatest needs were. And I walked away with an understanding of four things. And that there was a need for leadership, there was a need for family wholeness, there was a need for literacy, and there was a need for economic development. Now, there are other needs, yeah. but I really felt that I could begin to, there could be a spider web yeah. of impact, you know, out of, excuse me, out of meeting those four needs. Wow. Um, I ended up having this really significant encounter on an airplane. <laughs> and uh, I was visited by the angel of the wind of change. Wow. On on an airplane. Um, Ended up, Doug Addison ended up prophesying over me that I'd have a visitation between the months of May and September last year. Um, And I was visited by the angel of the wind of change. It manifested as a lion. I've never seen an angel over my life. Wow. In a physical manifestation. It's the first time it's ever happened to me. And I'm on this airplane. This was a few weeks after... Um, Doug had given me the word and I'm sitting on the plane and this lion comes up, walks down the aisle, sits in front of me. There was a bunch of space in front of my feet and uh, he sits in front of me and it just looks up to me and it says, you know, I'm going with you, right? And, And it was the beginning of a two hour encounter on the airplane and um, I just, you know, begin to receive such a, a spiritual impartation. Like I got rewired in that moment. Like it was really, really significant. <laughs> so I get on the ground. I was going to Kuala Lumpur in Singapore. And I get on the ground and uh, my something was different about me. I knew it. Wow. I couldn't articulate it. I didn't know what was going on. Um, I ended up sitting down with a um, a financial services company and doing some consulting, and uh, I'd actually done a day of leadership development with their organization. And they've got Hindus and Muslims and Christians, and you know I'm in a Muslim nation, you know, so it's, it's kind of crazy. These guys are asking me to do leadership development, and so but we just go in there and uh, did a great day of building people, and in the end, really sharing the gospel and who Jesus is on, and what makes all of it possible, and just seeing tremendous impact there. We go to lunch with the with the business partners and as we're sitting around one of the partners is a believer and who really invited me and knows of the prophetic and has a value for it and just created this opportunity he's like drew so what do you see in our business and the lord gives me what i know now know is a word of wisdom Mm -hmm. and uh which was which i defined as supernatural how And in this word of wisdom, um, he basically helped me to know how to reorder a few things in their business. Um, And that ended up opening up a third market for them and also bringing over $50 million in revenue in the last year. (sighs) And so, I'm feeling this. I don't know anything about financial services. Uh, I'm not a financial <laughs> services expert. I love it. I love this. <laughs> and, and so, uh, I walk away. My productivity that week was phenomenal. Like, just, I mean, I was advancing things at home and crushing it all week. Mm. It was tons of meetings, tons of meetings. And I'm like, man, this, I'm like, I'm really, really productive. <laughs> Come on, bro. I get back on the plane. This is a 20 hours in an airplane, in an airplane right? And uh, a 12-hour flight and an eight-hour flight. On the way home, I did not watch a single movie and I did not sleep an ounce of, I did not get an ounce of sleep. And I literally burnt a hole into my laptop and I got a download from the Lord Mm. on, on basically a strategy for what it means to be a solutionary. Come on, bro. It's turned into a curriculum and a lot of the language behind this and um, and really a method on discipling nations. And so the Lord gave me a word of wisdom for that. And uh, and then he also gave me an economic strategy uh, f- to rebuild the middle class in Detroit. Come on. And, uh, and the strategy has a, a hyper emphasis um, and a strategic point on uh, black female entrepreneurs. Wow. And so what I began to I love notice this. in the data was that Sixty-six percent of all startups in Detroit um, that are run by African Americans are run by females. And uh, but across all ethnic demographics in in America, when a female runs a business, she runs it fifteen percent less profitable. Mm-hmm. And so this is not an intelligence issue. This is an opportunity issue. So good. Um, you know, you could say it like this: um, all around the world, where there's poverty or whatever's going on, um, we don't have an intelligence distribution problem in the world. We have an opportunity distribution problem. In I love that. I love that language, bro. <laughs> and so um, uh, and so we are we're pioneering right now an entrepreneurship ecosystem that uh, is going to create opportunities in tech industry at a for-profit level, but also work. And it's going to end up funding a nonprofit um, ecosystem that is simply going to be focused on black female entrepreneurs. I've brokered a partnership um, with an MIT professor, and we are bringing in the core disciplines uh, that MIT um, teaches in their entrepreneurship program. uh, We're bringing into um, our training mechanism. Um, They're going to walk away with MIT stamped business plans. Um, We're going to help them grow their businesses. Um, We're going to help them launch their businesses. Um, We have great connections, um, you know, just uh, in all facets of kind of this entrepreneurial world um, that I'm brokering and bringing together. And so at the same time, we're launching uh, what I call a restoration ecosystem. Um, You know, and if you don't know what an ecosystem is, you know, ecosystem. Systems right now is a, is a word we're using to describe how multiple services or multiple experiences or multiple um, you know departments would be in a company in the past, um, but they all have a unique piece. And so, in our ecosystem for business entrepreneurship, there's there's uh, you know marketing, there is you know there is accounting. Uh, we, we're starting. We have a, a brilliant leader in our church who has a, a QuickBooks certified consulting company and so we are going to be growing her business um, as one of the first startups to create what they call micro CFO services and so in a startup world you probably can't hire you know a an accountant to work for you full-time or you don't have a CFO in your company Um, but you could afford to pay someone who has those types of skills two hours a week Yep. So that you have the full capacity of the skill set, but you don't have all of the overhead of the salary. And so one of the first startups we're doing is is helping this woman who has a consulting business who wants to grow her business. And this is going to be a service that we offer in our ecosystem for all the other startups. Wow, bro. So, you know, an ecosystem usually has, you know, eight to nine different quadrants of development that you take people through that becomes a service to help startups get up off the ground. And so, um, so we're doing that at an entrepreneur level and then we're also doing it at what I call a restoration ecosystem, which is a social and emotional learning ecosystem, which can be a process of development that really is going to rival, um, and blow away the Detroit Public high school diplomas. And so essentially we need, um, we need an experience that's going to help get people People ready um, within their social and emotional intelligence, so that they can actually handle the weight and responsibility of leading a business. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of people in Detroit who have ideas right now, but you know, when you are broken on the inside, when you have experienced severe trauma, yep. when you've been raised in you know multiple generations of poverty, you have to go through healing and restoration. Yeah. And so right now, I'm brokering a network of different organizations that carry a piece to the experience, and we're creating a process. Um, where they will begin to run people through their experience hand them off hand them off to the next one and after you know eight or nine steps probably four or five years what we're doing is we're creating a pipeline of restoration of people who then be ready for the entrepreneurship development so we're partnering in with high schools we're partnering in with um different programs (laughs) people who are on the ground and creating opportunity and so it's just really really exciting and we and and so um we really feel that if we can have impact at the leadership Family wholeness, yeah. uh, you know, literacy and economic realms that we can really see tremendous impact.
0: You know what I love, what I'm hearing, and it's just something that that you know you talked about us being born again and again. Is that you know there is a distinct difference if we're going to believe like what you're saying that the gospel has answers for the world. Mm-hmm. You know, for so long uh, we we've we, we've understood the gospel having solutions for the individual. Yeah. But once again, you know, scripture is clear to preach the gospel to all creation. Why didn't the Lord just say to human beings? He said all creation. Yeah. Because there's something about the gospel of the kingdom that has the ability to bring solutions to all creation, not just the individual, not just the man, not just the woman. And that this is a difference between the gospel of salvation, and the gospel of the kingdom, because, you know, I had shared this yesterday, the gospel of salvation merely gets us, if, if we were indebted, right? Yeah. Jesus came, died for us. We are forgiven of our debt. But once again, that just gets us to, the, to zero. Mm-hmm. And much of our theology, much of our thinking on the gospel, just the gospel, just gospel the good news. You know, we still are in poverty because we're at zero, we've been forgiven, yeah. going to heaven, but we haven't understood the fullness that the gospel of salvation wasn't what Jesus taught. He taught the gospel of the kingdom, so it wasn't just getting you to zero, it was actually getting you to the ability to have inheritance. Come on, man, and have solutions. And you're doing this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just love what you guys are doing. I love being around you, love hearing your heart. And you just, I mean, you drop so much right now. So, for the listener who's listening right now and wants to become a solutionary, yeah, you know, wants to take ownership responsible, they, they see an area they want to go after. What is uh, what? What are
1: one or two practical things that they can start doing right now? Um, well, I think they can uh, they can practice being more aware of others and themselves. <laughs> so good, bro. I mean, it's um, I mean, honestly, the a lot of the church today is is a bless me club. Oh wow! You know, and we look a lot more like a cruise ship than a warship. Whoa! You know, and uh, and so there's there's a real need for us to actually. To humble ourselves. Mm. And, you know, it's, you, you cannot, so, um, you know, the Hebrew word for righteousness is zidaka. Mm. And, um, you know, a lot of people have this idea that righteousness is, you know, what I don't do. I was, I was raised in a pretty strict Pentecostal denomination, yeah. born into it, you know, the first early years of my life. And, um, you know, no women couldn't cut their hair and, you know, no makeup <laughs> and men couldn't yep. have facial hair yep. and hair couldn't touch the collar in the back of your neck. And, and so the idea of holiness for them or righteousness expressed was really measured upon what they didn't do.
0: Mm.
1: And um, and I think a lot of people ultimately when they feel that they're called to do the right thing, they very quickly look at what they're not doing to justify where they're currently at. So good. their level of righteousness, if you will. And um, and so in the you know, in the Hebrew, um, you know, the word righteousness is Zadaka. Um, well, it's actually it's the word that it's from is Zadak mm. and Zadak is generosity.
0: Ha, 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 Love that.
1: And so righteousness, if you just add that A-H on the end, righteousness, truly defined in Hebrew, is simply generosity in action. mm and it's interesting, I'd encourage everyone to take a look at this, um, but if you go look at righteousness in the Bible, whenever Jesus talked about it, you're always going to find that righteousness is connected to helping the least of these. Wow. And you'll see, you know, that... So good. You know, did did we... <laughs> Lord, when 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 were you poor? When were you without a cloak? When were you... I mean, all these passages of scripture, you'll see that it starts on a conversation about righteousness. Wow. And he said, when you did it unto me, you did it to the least of these you know it's if you read you know there's all this eschatology at the end of Matthew 7 you know and then there's the lord's prayer in Matthew 6 and people teach about these two things often you know mm-hmm. build your house on the rock and yep. you know did you inherit the kingdom of heaven and then Matthew 6 the lord's prayer we love this stuff and and on earth as it is in heaven <laughs> and you know if you're a revivalist out there i mean you you've spent a lot of time here you yeah, know yeah yeah and but you know what people don't realize is that You know, those passages are one huge conversation, and it actually starts in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Mm. And it ends in Matthew 7 with a conclusion about the wise and the fool Mm. who builds their house on a rock. And uh, those verses at the end of 7 are not about your eschatology. It's actually about the person who does or does not do what Jesus just made available. Wow. And the, what you'll find if you read, just open up your Bible. The headings in your Bible will show you that all the passages around these two passages are about how you treat other people. <laughs> and, and so I love the manifestation of the Spirit, um, but that is not how we sustain heaven on earth. Come on, bro, say that. Heaven on earth is actually sustained by how you treat others. Mm. You know, the Lord's Prayer is, is, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, And then it goes on to say, forgive us of our debts as we forgive others the debts that they've mm. had against us. And so, you know, what if one of the key ways to bring heaven to earth and sustain it is actually being willing to forgive other people and love other people at a way that no one else is willing to love them? That's so good. You know, the Beatitudes was so controversial Because of the people groups that Jesus named as those that would inherit the kingdom of heaven, or that they'd be considered blessed. I mean, these were the people that you don't want to be friends with. These are the people who come at a cost. You know the you know the hungry and the thirsty. I mean, you don't want to be friends with them because you're already hungry and thirsty because Rome's taking sixty percent of your money and you're already an impoverished nation. So you don't want to be friends with the hungry and the thirsty because they're going to steal your food and your water. (laughs) You know you don't want to be friends with the person who's mourning because according to the law you'd have to take a week off Mm. and rip your. clothes and being in Sackcloth and Ashes like wow. Like it came at a cost to mourn with somebody. It wasn't convenient. You know, who wants to be with the poor in spirit? Who wants to be with, you know, the meek? They're, they're, they're weak sauce. We don't need people who are weak sauce right now. You know, we, we want to be with the people who are really doing it. And, and Jesus is setting this whole conversation up and says, hey, just so you know, the thing that's most inconvenient for you is actually the way you're going to bring heaven to earth. Wow. And so generosity from a Hebrew perspective is really the idea that you give to those that can never give back to you. Wow. And so righteousness is not what I don't do. Righteousness is what I'm willing to do for others that they could never give back to me.
0: Wow. So good.
1: Like this is actually the core definition of righteousness in the Bible. If we just actually understood what righteousness was, it would change our lives. Mm. You know, if you walk into any Jewish synagogue right now, um, when you walk in, there's going to be a box for alms for the poor. And it's actually called the Zedaka box, the righteousness box. (laughs) Wow. Like this is a core revelation within Jewish culture that they all live by. And we all think that righteousness is about my performance to stay in right standing. Mm. So it's actually, it's one of the reasons why self-righteousness is so gross. Self-righteousness is the idea that I only give to myself. Wow. And we're pretty self-righteous in our faith.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like Drew Neal was for sure self-righteous in his faith. And I had to make a decision to embrace a revelation of God that demanded me be willing to give to the least of these. Wow. Like if you're actually not meeting the needs of widows and orphans, like you can't actually demonstrate the fullness of the gospel. Like I love the power of God. And it's so interesting at the end of Matthew seven, it's like, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Sounds like a charismatic church service. (laughs) 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 You know, I mean, right. But it's like, if we don't accept responsibility, yeah. I'm sure your audience is, is quite wide, you know, as far as the types of denominations that it reaches. But if you're a charismatic Pentecostal, you know, stream flow denomination person, I mean, we've been really, really high on our experience inside of our church services and really weak on our outcomes of transformation outside the walls. That's you know, true. And we actually need leaders. We need reformers who are going to get beyond Come on, bro. the rake. The lawnmower and the water bottle with our church sticker on it. Like we need like new (laughs) ideas of how we're going to change the 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 world around us, and it's going to start by accepting responsibility for the problems they actually have. Come on, bro! Like actually going and getting expertise on how to solve these complicated problems. It's like we need like I mean Sunday services should be a celebration of what we did Monday through Saturday. That is good. You know, and if the most important day of the week in a church is what's happening on a Sunday, well then they've, the church doesn't have a mission. The church is the mission. So good. Let's say that think, again, bro. You know, it's like everyone wants to come up with, you know, their their vision and mission statement and their unique marketing plan for the church. No, like you are the plan of God. Mm. Like you're not a problem, you're a solution. And one of the reasons why we're not solving problems in the world is because we don't know how. Yeah. Or we don't think that we're qualified. Yeah. But what's so exciting about the Holy Spirit is that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Yeah. Which means we have full access to all yep. the tools of yep. the Holy Spirit to engage complicated things. Bro, I you know, I don't have a college degree. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> and you know, I could give you all mm-hmm. these reasons why I should not be qualified to do something. Yeah. But brother, when the the solution that God has given me for this economic strategy, you know, I, I found myself in Washington DC mm. with key people working in our government right now. Wow. And sharing this solution. And them wanting to know if I was, you know, had tons of experience in economic development. (laughs) They want to know where I went to school. They want to know where I came from. Who are you? Where'd you come from? How did you come up with this idea? Yep. Kings will receive real solutions and will bring, bring you into their world because they have problems that need to be solved. Yep. But when you're trying to figure out how to, how to get more butts in your seats The city isn't concerned with whether or not your church is growing whether or not your tide base is growing. They're concerned with whether or not their streets are going to be clean. They're yeah. concerned with whether or not their kids are going to go to school. They're concerned with whether or not crime's going up or down. They're concerned with whether or not their budget's going to meet the needs of the city. They're, Come on, they're concerned about whether or not, you know, that piece of property is going to get, you know, taken and, and turned into another dark business. You know that we don't need this CD business yeah. in our town. And they're trying to block that or figure out how to like they're thinking about how they can make sure they're not a thoroughfare for sex trafficking. Yeah. They're thinking about, they're trying to say how can we keep our police um, you know, employed. They're thinking about how can we protect our people with, fi- from fires or they're, they're like, and if we're not solving these problems, we are not relevant. So good. We are not relevant. And, and so, um, and so this doesn't mean that you got to go be a city official. Yeah. This just means that, you know, there are unique mandates that we can accept. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, uh, people rarely ask this question, but I would encourage the church leader right now to begin to do inventory on the experts in his church or in her church and you know what we found is that we have we have a lot of entrepreneurs and we have a lot of people in education wow and we figured out that because we have so many people there that we have an anointing in business and in education that's good bro and so we're working in literacy we have a tremendous partner called beyond basics and we have access to literally every single detroit public high school right now where we're going in and being able to work as literacy mentors uh, with kids to make sure that they're Mm. that they're graduating and actually know how to read when they graduate and then we're also working with third graders. This is a powerful statistic. 99% of third graders who read at average level don't go to jail in their life. Wow. Wow. You want to talk about criminal justice reform? Uh, there's a broken system and that's a thing. Uh, but what if we just started by getting our kids to read? That's so good, bro. I mean, people are ending up as a part of a broken system. They're subjecting themselves to a broken system that is against them by the way. Um, but they're subjecting themselves to that broken system out of ignorance. Mm. Simply because they don't have a tool to read. And the re- reason that they're ignorant is not because they're not smart. Ignorance is the lack of knowledge, not the lack of ability to collect knowledge. That's good. And so the reason they're not gaining knowledge is because their families are so broken. Like I sat down with a third grader. This is, I mean this is sat down with a third grader and he's having a hard time learning how to read. And, and 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 so before we sat down the principal gave me a little bit of the profile and said, "Hey, you know, just just be real patient with him. He's, he's a little tired. I'm like, oh, why is he so tired? He's like, well, he's falling asleep in school every day because every night his mom's boyfriend comes over and at 8 p.m. he gets kicked out of the house mm-hmm. and isn't allowed back into his house till 2 or 3 a.m. and has to find his way on the streets. You know, I'm like, God bless that mom. The mom just needs connection. The mom's lonely. The mom's trying to figure it out. The mom's in crisis. Everyone's in crisis. Mm-hmm. But we need we we need this little boy to learn how to read so he doesn't become another statistic. Yeah. Like if it's, if this isn't the heart of the father. Yeah. Yeah. It's like revivalists out there. I need to tug on your heart right now if you're listening. I love the manifestation of the glory cloud. But if we are not translating our encounters into tangible moments that actually change the way that people live, we are missing it. And this is this is that next it's it's the it's not wrong in revival. And this is what this conference is we're doing right now, yeah. Matt, right? Yep. We're not it, revival is a foundation. Revival's for me, reformation's for the world around yep. me. We need revivalists to stand on their revival and accept responsibility yep. for Reformation yep and this is that next step yeah and so um, this is where we start to accept responsibility for things I
0: love it bro I love because you just this is the biggest key I think we've become so selfish in our approach that we want God to put a new anointing on us but we don't understand that anointing comes by taking ownership take a responsibility and this yeah. is what you're seeing. There's so much more I want to talk about. We're, we're going to have to do an <laughs> a, another episode because I wanted to talk about some of the Word of Wisdom stuff but this is what's needed to be heard right now because this Come is on. the foundation for what you're walking in. So I want to just ask you one last question. What, lastly, what would you like to leave the list? What's what's a final thought you'd like to share?
1: Um, I think the last, one of the reasons and I said this earlier, one of the reasons why we don't solve problems um, or believe the gospel that I'm able to become a solution is, is that we Think that we're a problem. Ho, 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 ho. Yes. You know, we think that we're a roadblock to the plan of God. Yeah. Yep. You know, we think that you know that God wants to work despite me mm-hmm. um, or that God wants to work around me. Come on, Drew. So good. Um, most people think that they're tolerated by God. And and so um the plan of God, God only has one plan. Heaven and earth are gonna come together, and there's gonna be a marriage at the end of the age, yep. right? Yep. And God's plan to see that happen, his strategy, hey God the Father. How is heaven and earth going to come together and how are we going to get to the wedding? Here's his answer. I'm going to dwell inside of people and then my glory is going to be seen in the earth through them. (laughs) Come on. Like there's no plan B. There's only plan A and plan A is that God's love, his power and his sound mind has been, made avail- has been made available um, for all of us as believers to become a solution in the earth. Come on, bro. You are not a problem. You're a solution. And so right now, I just break off um, any hindrance. I break off the lie of the enemy that you are disqualified. I break off the enemy that you're not smart. I break off the lie of the enemy um, that you don't have the capacity. Um, I break off the lie of the enemy that you can't grow and develop in your competency. I break off the lie of the enemy um, that says that you have to be a Um, A pastor to be anointed. I break off the lie of the enemy. You got to hold a microphone for someone to listen to you. I Ah, break off the lie of the enemy um, that you can't figure things out. I break off the lie of the enemy that says that those who are working in the marketplace or working in education aren't spiritual. I break off the lie of the enemy (laughs) that says that heaven is an event. Come on. Father, and we just release ourselves right now to know that we're not a problem. We're a solution. Father, and I just declare breakthrough in this in Jesus mighty name. Come on. You're not a problem. You're a solution. Come on, bro. I love this. So, Drew, where can people follow you? Where are they able to glean
0: from you and check out your resources?
1: Yeah, druoneal.com. They can go there. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Drew underscore Neil. And uh, come find me and and, I would love to connect. Bro, we got to do another episode here soon because so much. Hey
0: guys, if this podcast has enriched your life and I just want to encourage you to make sure to subscribe to it, uh, would you share this podcast with a friend or a family member as it helps us to extend our reach? Thank you so much for listening to today's show. Until next time, this is Matt Gonzalez. We are out. Be blessed.